coming up on Open Source with Tony Motley. So we say, okay, my customer is an e-commerce site, but then the next level is who is actually making the buying decision. Is it the CRM manager or is it the product manager, right? So at that level, once I know, then all my marketing activities are geared towards that. And that actually in turn reduces my cost of acquisition. All my messaging is geared towards that persona. So the whole idea of, I guess, the growth hack, the principle underlying is know who you're selling to. This is the Open Source Podcast with Tony Motley. Welcome to Open Source with Tony Motley. My guest today is Ravi Trivedi. Ravi has been knee deep in marketing and software engineering and tech venture capital in the United States and India. And he represents businesses, I guess, or has dealt with businesses in over 150 different countries. Ravi, welcome to Open Source. Hey, thanks for having me. Tell us about your career and I guess some of the places that you've been. You went to school in the United States, so just give me a really brief scenario about who Ravi Trivedi is academically? Sure. I mean, I have done a ton of stuff, but I'll begin by saying I did a master's uh, in computer science, worked at Hewlett Packard for several years, uh, started off as a software engineer, then consulting and sales for them, and then moved on to do a school. I went to Duke for my MBA. Uh, post that, I spent a few years in Wall Street uh, covering tech stocks. I decided that was interesting, but I wanted to do more longer-term investing, so moved to venture capital career in North Carolina. And then uh, that got me interested into entrepreneurship as I was seeing more early-stage startups. And somewhere around 2011, and I decided to move back to India largely for personal reasons. And then I ended up uh, starting companies. And this is my second company I've been building. Uh, again, I bootstrapped my company. Uh, the name of my company is called Push Engage, and it does web push notifications. Okay, so push, push engage. What? Okay, push notifications. Everybody's heard of it at some point, but really, what are we talking about when we say push notifications? Sure. So the first thing is, uh, this is a platform for web push, which means on the browsers. Uh, that means a desktop of a mobile browser. And so it means it's accessible to everybody, whether you have a mobile app or not, right? So that's the first thing. The second is, it came about because there was a need for websites that they have a ton of visitors who come, but they did come only one time and they don't come back to the site. So this solves that problem by saying, hey, do you want to get notification? And yes, then you send. And I'll tell you where it fits very well. So let's say you're playing a game and you want to be alerted of a few things that happen in the game. So games are a classic example for notification. The other one could be, you know, a price alert. You'll say, hey, I want a ticket from New York to San Francisco, but send me an alert when it below $300 round trip because that's really a great deal. So the idea of alerts has always been there. Now they came to browsers and we kind of extend the website by giving this to a customer so they can, they don't need to visit your site and they get all the information where they are. So that's the whole use case right there. So people, this is something that happens on the back end or our customers or users aware uh, do they have to actually active, actively, I'm sorry, actively accept the push notification? How does it work? Yeah, sure. So uh, they visit your site uh, for let's say the first time, and let's say your podcast site, and they and they say, hey, you know what? I want to be alerted about the next time you publish your podcast, and they say yes, uh, send me a notification, and when they say allow, they become your subscriber. 
kind of very similar to email, except that you don't pass any personal information and you're just saying allow and you have the full access if you want to, you know, uh, disable that, uh, you know, the, the subscription in, in other words. So that's all you do. And that's how the website owner then has the ability to send you these alerts and notifications on your browser. And they reach you even when you're not, uh, you know, browsing the site. So maybe you'll be at Facebook or something else or the browser is running in the background, they'll reach you. Uh, so that's the whole use case. And again, they've been very powerful in the sense last four years, this is a new technology. Uh, Chrome started support in April 2015. We as a company launched in 2016, January. Uh, and we have seen tremendous, you know, uh, engagement from the user. And that's why it has become really mainstream over time. I mean, it's just picking up, but it's becoming mainstream. Uh, and you businesses like news sites who are sending breaking news or e-commerce businesses who are sending price alerts, inventory alerts, or cart abandonment. I mean, those are kind of the use cases we are seeing a lot more happen. And so the people that you're dealing with when you do the workshops and you're speaking engagements, what is the average business owner or marketer, what's the value of push engage to those people? Yeah, so great question. Uh, we see for a uh, e-commerce site, uh, this is like a new channel, just like e-com, uh, just like email marketing, like I was saying, and it drives anything between five to fifteen percent extra revenue. Uh, similarly, for a publisher or a media site, we see anything between ten to thirty percent extra traffic. Again, the workshops I do are more like a pro bono stuff, which is just as a as my way to share what I have learned. I mean, I'm a marketer. Uh, and uh, prior to this, for example, I ran and built a coupon site uh, for Southeast Asia, like a retail me not for the U.S., right? And, and that actually, and the prior experiences around, you know, how to acquire customers for cheap. So I just do this workshop helping, you know, uh, fellow startups or, or other companies uh, around how do you do customer acquisition the right way, uh, you know? So, so that's kind of the workshop that you're referring to. Okay, and so in, I've noticed in the, in the workshop you had a lot of information, valuable information, and you talked about best practices when you were in, in the context of your hacks or whatever you're, you're discussing there. Sure. But talk about best practice, sure. practices in terms of marketing online. Yeah, so I think uh, the first rule, I guess, uh, again, it's a, like a fundamental question. If you really want to acquire users at a very reasonable price, uh, the first thing is, to have the targeting, which means having uh, understanding who your customer is uh, in the sense of micro, you know, level. So, for example, I can say, you know what, my customer is any, and I'll give Push Engage as an example, uh, where we try to acquire customers. So we say, okay, my customer is an e-commerce site, but then the next level is who is actually making the buying decision. Is it the CRM manager or is it the product manager, right? So at that level, once I know, then all my marketing activities are geared towards that. And that actually in turn re reduces my cost of acquisition. All my messaging is geared towards that persona. So the whole idea of, I guess, the growth hack, the principle underlying is know who you're selling to and just build all your messaging for that. So that's like an Uber like a simplified version. And then there are more specific stuff we talk about, uh, whether we talk about messaging optimization, whether we talk about um, ad optimization or variety of stuff which work well or, or growth hacks. For example, you, I think you use that word a few times. I must mention, for example, we use powered by push engage as, as a way by which 
people know that the site is powered by push engage or push notifications. And so if you're a free user, we are fine, you can use it. But then on your notification, there's a pop-up comes which says powered by push engage. So that's, for example, is our growth hack, which actually helps us drive more signups. You know, so that's just a, a two examples right there. So when you talk about uh, market and segmentation, I think it's critical. We're not talking about demographics. We're talking about specific behaviors and buying decisions, deeper information than just male age 45 or something like that. Can you explain that, that premise, that concept? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're absolutely right. And I think for some, maybe the demographic is the right way to think as well. I must give that. But given, for example, what we are the audience we sell to, uh, we sell globally, like uh, Push Engage, for example, sells in 150 countries, over 10,000 sites use our product. We do around 5 billion push notifications per month. Uh, so as a result, we may have a customer who is English-speaking, non-English-speaking. So his persona is more important. What is the role they have at that company and what objective they have? So these are all folks who are, for example, people who are focused on engagement or, or, or their metric is repeat users in their company. You know, so, so that's why that becomes so much important. But in some cases, okay, in some cases, there could be a demographic-based segmentation that you would do. But I guess the, the simplest rule I want to share is, number one, always begin by targeting. Anything that's too broad will make it too costly and the messaging is going to be too broad. So that's the whole, like the, the, the Uber principle, if I may begin with, right? And then we can layer more stuff on top of it. You know, like I was talking about one of the hacks we were talking about, but but once you have the targeting right and we have the messaging right, then you can run ads that can perform well. Now, in one of your uh, lectures or one of your discussions, you were talking with your audience about the person who's ranked highest in organic listings gets about 53, 55% of that uh, traffic, and then it goes down uh, dramatically to numbers two, three, four, and five. Explain what that's all about. Yeah, no, again, that's a great one you're talking about. Uh, so organic search or SEO rank is actually one of the top, I guess if I may call it a growth hack. Again, a lot of folks already know about it, but how do you do that is the question. And and why is that? Those are the numbers. So the, so the thing we have seen is, this is a consumer behavior. When you search for a result, you trust Google because you know that Google knows more about these sites and you trust that they will actually, they actually deliver a pretty good experience when you search something. So people do trust the first search result more than anybody else or anything else. So as a result, the first position in organic gets around 55% of the clicks of the whole volume. So if your volume of search is say 100, you're getting 55 clicks. So that's huge. So if you are able to, for example, rank number one, number two, or number three, you will do phenomenally well. And again, it's not easy to rank those, but if you do the right things the right way, I think you have a great shot. And that actually is one of the secret sauce we have seen with any of the top companies, if you see, whether it's a SaaS or consumer company, they, you will almost always see that they always rank very high in organic search. Now, we don't want to give everything away, but give us an idea of some of the things that we can do to improve where we rank. Uh, how do we improve our standing in, in searches? Sure. So I think uh, the fundamental question uh, in organic search is more around, do you have the authority 
for what you want to rank. So I'll just begin by that principle. So let's say, uh, I'll just take our example again. So push engage is about web push notifications. So if there is an article about web push notifications, we should have that authority in the space and Google recognizes that, okay, they are credible in this space. And what are those signals? These signals could be, for example, I'm listed in a directory which ranks us into a category web push notification. I am in, let's say, so many SaaS directories. So, so for example, if you want to give this signal to, uh, you know, Google, you better make sure you're listing in the right places, right? So for example, SaaS directories, G2 Crowd, uh, you know, Captura. There are tons of SaaS review directories and other places. So that's the there's just a signal, so they know you are in this space. The second, of course, which everybody you know talks about is content, right? And it's about original content that helps the user. Now, think where we sit. We sit as a platform, so we see ton of data, and I'm just giving an idea of what content to write. So we see a ton of anonymous data around what's working in web push, uh, what time maybe you should send a notification, what's the frequency you should send. If you are in this geo, what is working, what is not. And so, for example, we would aggregate that data and then publish it out as a white paper or a, or a benchmark report. Now, that's like the original content which your customers want to know about and you have it on your site. So one was authority I was talking about. And again, there are more steps to authority. I can talk more on that. But this is the second side, which is content, original content, which your customers are looking for and that will benefit them, right? The other set of, the one example I was a benchmark, the other could be around what are they really searching for? So for example, one of the common questions people may have on web pushes, it's a new channel. What's the ROI of the channel? How does it compare to email? How do you, uh, you know, uh, do it in a way that you're not locked to a vendor? So those are the concerns which my buyer may have, and I would write articles around those so they help to help them, right? And that kind of then increases uh, maybe your uh, authority as well as your ability to rank on some of those things that are relevant to the user. So that's I guess a Summary. And then finally, the third part, which is becoming increasingly very important, is the speed at which you load your site. Uh, so if you're desktop and if you're in consumer space, less than two seconds is what we would say. And in the mobile as well. I mean, ideally, it's less than one second, right? And this is like the first, what we call the first pain. So, so over time, customers expect the results to come very quickly, at least the first portion of it. So, loading the site very fast is very important, I guess. Now, how do you, uh, and then how do you influence? How do you, I'm sorry, Ravi. How do you influence your yeah. uh, site load uh, ability? How do you? Well, how can we make our sites load faster? Yeah, I know. Again, that's a great question. There's a ton of work that happens on that. The number one, I would say, is if you're a large content site, use what we call as a CDN or a content distribution network, which means, let's say, I am a global site and I'm accessing you from the United States. I'm accessing you from Australia. So if, if and if my server is sitting somewhere, I don't know, maybe in London, the, the, the times to reach it will be longer so there is this concept of the content distribution network where the local copies store the stuff right so like an akamai or a cloud front there are many of those right they just keep those copies close by so that cdn for example is like a no-brainer most tools have like a single click cdn integration so your page starts loading fast that's number one number two you have these tools like 
uh, Google Page Speed Insights or GT Metrics, where you can run analysis of your site and it will say, okay, these are the five things you've got to improve. Maybe you're putting too many JavaScripts or maybe, again, I know I'm talking a little technical, but it will tell you what to do to improve your load time. So doing those things actually help a lot. And, and even somebody who is not very technical can do some of those very easily. So CDN is definitely one of them that with a single click, use this content distribution network, which kind of acts as a caching layer in front of your site. And the second one, and that's like a single click. And the second one is around use these tools to see where you can improve your you know, page load. And use a good hosting. I mean, right. I was going to ask you about, uh, someone asked me the other day about uh, whether uh, a Wix or someplace like that, they should use uh, a platform like that to host their website or should they just uh, go to a developer or should they do a WordPress site? What What are your thoughts? So again, uh, part of the answer depends on what's your budget and how much you're able to, uh, you know, and, and what level you want to kind of get into. In the enterprise space in where we operate, where let's say you can spend say $500, okay, just on a blog, okay? I would say uh, doing it directly uh, and say using something like a Kinsta hosting, which has been really well, um, uh, especially for say WordPress. Okay, if you're doing WordPress example, I'm giving. So each there is a different platform. Wix is also great. Uh, Weebly is also great. Squarespace is also great. You got to maybe make a page and see how fast they load. You know, eventually if it's going to be a high traffic site, then most people are doing self-hosting. Um, and, and like a Kinsta or, or maybe doing Amazon or, or DigitalOcean. So for example, we are all Amazon hosted uh, largely. So we, we do it in-house, but uh, folks can, uh, you know, uh, look at alternate um, variety of options, but always just remember, maybe you're saving a little bit on the hosting cost, but you're not going to do well if the page is not loading. So maybe it's much better sometimes to spend a little more on the hosting at a really fast or a dedicated server. Especially if you're serious about this, can you get the, the the kind of tweaks and performance that you want uh, through a Weebly or a Wix that you can through some other platform? Are you limited there? Uh, so I will say begin by saying that I'm not actually an expert on Weebly and Wix, although we support. So I don't know hundred percent, but I think most of these are well optimized. Uh, to the extent that you can do, but but uh, I guess the more advanced the users, they usually do either WordPress I have seen or custom, you know, uh, custom sites. Those so are the WordPress continues to be uh, a viable platform um, for building websites. Yeah, and, and the thing with WordPress is because of the adoption, there are a ton of uh, providers, like I was naming Kinsta. We have done a lot of study on where you can load WordPress very fast. Right? Even our blog is actually on WordPress and we, we actually had in-house hosting for our blog. Then we did a benchmark with Kinsta and we found them to be good, right? Again, I'm not trying to pitch them, but this is our experience, honestly. And, and we said, and that's because they just focus on uh, WordPress hosting and they've done a reasonably good job. They're a little expensive, but they've done a really good job of doing all the caching, all the stuff I'm talking about, just a single click. And so if you are a little serious, maybe that is, you know, you don't have to do a lot of coding and other stuff and then you get the performance that you're looking for. But that's huge nowadays. I have to tell you that. Like that's the number one thing, if I may say on SEO, is like load your site fast. Load your site fast. Now, Ravi, I have to ask you, ask you a question. If you were... 17-year-old Ravi, and you were starting all over again, would you pursue 
the tech career that you pursued, what made you make the decisions that you did starting out to become the entrepreneur, the marketer that you are right now? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I, I, I was going to add a little more color to my background. So if you look at what I've done or I, when I reflect upon, I've probably made many contrarian calls. So right after B school, I was in Wall Street. That's probably, a, not probably, it was actually a very high paying job. It helped me pay all my college loans. And, uh, and then when I moved to venture, it's probably slightly less paying, right? But I was getting more satisfied. That is what I wanted to, you know, do. And, and I think, so, so I, I tell my friends, I've been a contrarian. I've probably moved from being from the highest paying job to something which maybe pays nothing. Uh, but I have always moved in the direction of where my passion is and what I really want to do, what will make me happy. Again, it's a tough call to move in those directions, but I had one rule, which is when, when when the day comes that I'm on my deathbed or I'm gonna die, I should have no regret that, hey, listen, I didn't do this in my life, right? So I wanted to do, so entrepreneurship was a very tough call for me. I started when I was 35, almost too late in some sense, where your opportunity cost is huge. I had a family, my son was four years, and, and it's just, you know, uh, but then I, I had this thing which I said, no, I really want to do it uh, because I don't want to regret later. And it's okay to take a little hit. My wife was working, so it's okay. I can take a little risk and, and it's been fine. I mean, it's not been a bed of roses, the journey, uh, but then we have done okay after a few years and I'm glad that I made the choice. When, when you reflect back on your Wall Street days and we, we all see movies about Wall Street and we see it every day in the news. What is what is so stressful about being Wall Street trader? So, uh, so I think I was an equity analyst. We were about uh, stocks. Uh, I think the, the stress in there. I mean, I, I had one take on that. I think there's a lot of money, and the volume is huge. And when you have a ton of money, there's a ton of greed. When there is a ton of greed, uh, there is a ton of aggression, sometimes undue and unwanted, right? And of course, the best traders are probably very calm, okay, uh, from inside, so they are able to make those calls. Uh, so that that's something that I find, in, in some sense, it's really good because you got probably the, some of the best, to be honest, some of the best colleagues I ever worked with were in Wall Street, right? They're really smart, they're really good, they're really committed, right? So that's that side, but then there is this, because of money involved and the greed involved, there are, there's so much stuff that happens around it. It's all about money that it sometimes seems too much to me, you know, to somebody like me. So, so that's, I guess, so those are the two sides, but in terms of satisfaction and the, and the, and the result that you do specifically in the trading or a say, or a research job that we were in, you can see your results quickly versus say a startup and you launch, you have to wait for years. And there are so many factors on the trading and the, uh, Aside, it's just like immediate results, right? So, so those are the pros and cons, I guess. But again, I enjoyed my time, most definitely, and learned a ton. When you look at uh, business right now in, in the web and mobile platforms and all these other places where you can place your content or your message or whatever, what would you suggest? Do, do people need to build a website? Should they build a mobile platform? Where do people, how do they decide where to go with these? So, so the number one thing I would say it depends on who you are, right? If you're a blogger, right? And and again, so so it depends on we've got to ask that segmentation question: who you are. And if you give me a persona, I can maybe build for them. So, shall I assume a blogger? Is that okay? I'm a blogger. Sure, I want that, to that, write. That'd be fine. 
yeah so so for a blogger let's say uh, and i'm let's say writing about maybe a technical help article so i'm just writing about how to be a business blogger or maybe about hosting so so if your market is global right so the the first thing i would say is absolutely mobile so the, so the whole idea about where to be the answer become comes from where are your customers so so are your customers browsing on the mobile browser are they consuming it through an app then that's where you got to be if your customers are not on website for example there may be some segments which only sell through trade shows you then got to be at the trade show so it's all about where the customer is the technology and the other part in my opinion is like the second order thing right the first order is who is your customer and where do they hang out just once you answer that you just got to be there where they are whether they communicate through for example mobile desktop all the stuff we talked or they communicate through uh, whatsapp or some other of these chat platform i mean just got to be there or tiktok i mean there like ton of places so for example for gamers there are different sites for young gamers right my son is at 12 and he plays these games and i know they they hang out on different sites so we have the gaming site is doing something related to that then i got to be on those live streaming platforms so it's just the answer depends on that but of course high level definitely mobile is huge and again if you have the budget you can't make an app then you should look at mobile websites they become very well nowadays and with things like push notification they almost give you all what you need from a mobile app uh, so so you can easily have a mobile website you don't need to do an app but being on mobile is huge and definitely just roughly speaking i know it's difficult to say but what kind of budget are we talking about to build a mobile app, mobile application Yeah, so 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 can you repeat it again please what what sort of budget are we looking at when if we if we're considering a mobile application what are we looking to spend okay sure so so uh, so i would say a very basic app we're looking at anything between say $20,000 to $40,000 uh you know uh, to get that done you know well and then there maybe there's some amount of maintenance uh, to that but that's kind of yeah so that's the range I'm, i would suggest Wow, that that's that's significant money though. I mean, if you're going to spend 20 grand at least, that's that's not a chump change, so that's an investment. Yeah, yeah, that's why. Yeah, and that's why this thing about using your website on the mobile phone is as good. And and like I was going to use one more word uh, called the progressive web app. So that's kind of what's coming or already happening on mobile websites. This is the way your website becomes closer to a mobile app and and again there are vendors who do that for a much lower rate or you can just have a plain vanilla mobile website which means maybe you can even open a wix site and then it appears nice on your mobile phone that's totally fine but you can definitely do things what mobile apps do like notifications which for example i'm saying we do uh, even for wix or weebly or other platforms so so you're able to at least get that benefit so and you don't have to spend a ton uh So when someone wants to get involved with Push Engage, um what what do they need to do? It's a pretty straightforward process. Open an account, we have a free account and we have accounts from say $29 all the way up. Uh and depending on again what you need, you can buy that or take a free plan and then just integrate. Integration is often like adding two lines of code which is like two lines of text. In some of the platforms we have like deeper integration so it's like click 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 and done. So it's usually uh, pretty straightforward to integrate and then yeah you then gather subscribers and then you send notifications. I guess the other thing is we talk about segmentation a lot to our customers which is like okay you got to know what your customer preference is 
let's say if I am an e-commerce store and I'm visiting, say, the iPhone, that means I'm an Apple buyer versus I'm an Android buyer or versus, you know, I'm interested in, I don't know, maybe I'm a uh, news junkie, so I read more U.S. politics versus sports and which sports. So, so knowing the preference of the user is what we call a segmentation, just like you do maybe segmentation in a list. And we tell from day one, build in your system so that when you're sending your alerts, it's targeted to what they want, right? And that just engages the user a lot more. And then we have a lot of automation and we encourage users to use that. For example, I could say, you know what, this is a user who searched for, say, a mobile phone, but didn't do a purchase. I know they're probably searching for it in the next seven days. So maybe I can send an alert maybe on day three or day five or something like that. And that, for example, our system can automatically detect and send. So use a lot more automation in the tool is what I would say to anybody who's going live with social media. And we're going to see more and more uh, AI as we go forward, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. And I think the underlying for AI is the data that we gather, which is around what people are doing. And, and when we say the word AI, it's all about smart things, which is that the system understands what I really want and, and send me that information, right? So it's all about that, the context and the personalization. And yeah, and I think that's very important these days. Great. Ravi, tell people how they can reach you. What's your contact information? Sure. So, so I'm on Twitter at uh, Trivedi Ravi, or you can uh, even uh, tag our company, Push Engage. Uh, so those, that's usually the best public way. Uh, but otherwise, again, I can give my email as well. It's Ravi at pushengage.com. Uh, always available. Uh, if you're a marketer, happy to help, or otherwise as well as an entrepreneur. Uh, so that's kind of my contact. That's great. Ravi, I really appreciate you sharing 30 minutes with our audience on uh, open source. And again, it's uh, Ravi Trivedi, and he is with Push Engage. He is the boss at Push Engage. And I guess 150 uh, countries worldwide are, are using Push Engage. Is that right? That's correct. Well, thanks, Ravi, uh, for joining us on open source. We'll talk to you guys next time. Open Source with Tony Motley is a production of Duet Digital Media and McLaughlin Media.